This is your Drive Time News Blast. 30 minutes jam-packed with up-to-the-minute news from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice every weekday. This is Monica Perez. I'm Brad Buechler. Today's top story, big surprise. Kamala Harris dropped out of the race for Democratic candidate for the presidency. That's a real shocker. (laughs) Why would she do that? Everyone loved her. I think the headline should have read Kamala Harris drops out of the race, citing her suspicious and unexplained ties to the Knights Templar. Hey, you never know. There were many indications that people inside her campaign were not totally on board. Maybe they know stuff that you know. I think anybody can know that stuff, and this is why I never believed she would be the candidate, because this information about these strange ties to the Knights Templar and to staffers of hers impersonating police officers and doing very bizarre things at her request, they claimed, is easily accessible in San Francisco newspapers back when when she was the attorney general there. This information was just too available for her to actually be a serious candidate. So... There is now an intersectional void in the presidential race. There is no black female. Oh, Will no way. Michelle Obama, Stacey Abrams, maybe Stacey Abrams as vice president will fill that void. But this is a void that people are not going to be happy with. Wow, that is interesting. No, people are not going to be happy with it. And Stuart Varney came out saying that Michael Bloomberg was was the uh, candidate that he thought was going to run against Trump was going to be the nominee. I don't know why he thinks that, but that made me remember who was it? It's not Chris Todd. There was some, there's some guy we were, we saw that he was an anchor man who said, well, Bloomberg runs. He needs Stacey Abram because he needs a person of color. So there's lots of foreshadowing that that is going to be the crazy ticket. Yeah. And it could be, can you imagine Stacey Abrams being on a ticket with, a white billionaire who has a history of being accused of sexual harassment. Does he? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Hmm. Kind of go against. What was the latest news on him? I saw a headline. The latest news on Bloomberg was that Trump's campaign is not going to be giving media credentials to Bloomberg. No way. Why? Well, Bloomberg News made it known that they will not investigate Bloomberg, and they want to be fair, and they're not going to investigate other Democrats either, so they're only (laughs) going to investigate Trump. We talked about this yesterday, so of course, why would you give them credentials when they've made that known? Right, of course. It's so, it, it's so transparent when media guys are in politics. I mean, it's not, it's not as bad as Rupert Murdoch or Berlusconi or whomever, but it's pretty bad. Yeah. So there was big international news. So I guess Trump's uh, critics precede him. He was over in Europe at a talking a was it a NATO meeting? It was a, I think it was like a 70th anniversary celebration of NATO in London, if I'm not mistaken. Right. And he called out Macron, the French president, for saying in an economist interview not too long ago that NATO is undergoing brain death and that they need to realize that they can't count on the U.S. and all this kind of stuff. And Trump, like, mouthed off to him about that, which people are pointing out is a contradiction for Trump because he mouths off about NATO. 
but it seemed to me like very simple role reversal or reverse psychology where every the goal of Trump and clear and I think Macron as well is to get NATO to increase their defense spending. So the United States takes up the slack on NATO uh, defense spending. So if they could get them to up it, we're not going to cut back on defense spending. We're just going to. So when you look at a chart of the world defense spending, the U.S. is half of it. And then our allies are basically half of the other half. And this would make that even more lopsided. So, but I think that there's an underlying issue here that has been the problem for a hundred years, basically. The UK and the world, you know, the islands around the world, the world island, which is Eurasia, does not like it when Germany and Russia get along. Germany remains an industrial powerhouse. Russia has all those resources. And just as far as landmass goes, Russia has so much landmass, like world landmass around that continent that has all overland trading. It's like, it's a very, it's, there's a theory behind like the British empire of how to dominate the world. And you have to keep the Eurasian landmass divided. And that could be what the basis of world war one and world war two were about. So they're, they want France to take leadership of NATO. I believe it's to take it away from Germany. And that's something that the U.S. and France are both into right now. Interesting. I did see a foreign policy article about a month back that talked about who was going to take leadership once the United States stepped back. And they talked about France and Germany sharing it. They and talk Germany about that. Military yeah. power. Yeah, they I, I've seen that before. Like, that's interesting that that came up right now. I think that the problem remains over and over again. Trump called out Germany to Zelensky. He's, he's referenced Germany by name for not, for, for even talking to Russia about using their natural resources. He just does not. He wants to cut Germany off, but Germany to the extent that it's run by people who haven't completely sold out to the outside world, it would not be in their interest to cut off Russia. They're so close to Russia, like physically, it's better than getting liquefied natural gas shipped over from the United States, just have a pipeline. I mean, these things are important. And I think Germany hasn't given up that that lever of power yet. And I think that the West is kind of trying to shame them into that. I would watch out for that. And uh, the other thing that was happening over there is Boris Johnson is facing an election December 12th. And they said he's like wasn't available to really comment on this because he's dealing with this terror attack on the London Bridge, which was was minor as far as terror attacks go. But did you see the videos of this thing? I did not. Oh, my gosh. They are crazy. First of all. Uh, the guy, the terrorist, I have no idea who this person is or the story. He was inside, was it a museum? Something like that. And he killed a couple of people, supposedly. And when he ran out, he was chased by two men. They say three, one being an undercover police officer. But one guy had a narwhal tusk, which is this huge, like five foot long pole. And the other guy had a fire extinguisher because they don't have guns. So they, they tackled this guy and they, and the third guy was, backing away and that was the undercover cop supposedly when you say he has he had a tusk was he wearing it on his face no he like it was like five feet long he picked it up off the wall that's why i think maybe it was a museum or something i don't know 
but they went running after him. So the, so the civilians were basically subduing this guy. He was still fighting like crazy, but there were people on him. A cop comes running up, like a beat cop looking guy comes running up, pulls the civilians off and just shoots the guy like three times to death. And the, and it's funny cause I hadn't seen the videos at all. I just saw this weird like male or guardian headline that said hero cop kills terrorist, but the civilians actually were subduing this guy alive. We could have asked him some questions and the cops came right or the cop, this sole cop came running up and just, so it looked like incompetence or worse. I don't know, but it was so bizarre. While he was being detained by civilians, he shot him? Yeah, the civilians were on top of him, and the cop pulled civilians off wow. and shot the guy while he was on the ground. How do you know who's good and who's bad in that situation? <laughs> That's a good point. That's crazy. I mean, it was clear who was on the ground, but you it was not clear what he did or – right, I mean – And this was where again? On London Bridge in London. Which is where other terrorist attacks have happened. So I was a little surprised that there's like no cops around. Yeah, there was a few months ago when there was a stabbing. I believe it was in the same area. That was it. Yeah, it was a stabbing. And it was that was totally bizarre because what it had was a bunch of EMT guys standing around while a member of parliament with a suit coat on rolled up his sleeves and was performing CPR on on a victim. Is Whoa. this the one that was detained by the civilian also? It was the one I'm thinking about. It might be the same one. It was a knife attack. Somebody stabbed a random woman and then civilians ran after him and detained him and held him down with like a milk crate carton until a big plastic or metal one until police arrived. It, rem- it sounds similar no, to the story you're telling so me. No, that's so crazy. No. It happened. That's really, really weird. I don't know what the, why they would have that pattern. I mean, they don't have guns, so obviously they're going to use other stuff, but maybe, I don't know. Well, what to watch out for? Let's see the next London bridge yeah. attack where <laughs> somebody There's civilians is, involved. Yeah. Interesting. So that's big stuff. There's more international stuff, but, um, let's get, let's get back to the domestic world. What's happening in impeachment land? This is domestic, international, dueling reports is what I'm deeming what's going on today and yesterday because we have had two reports drop this week already, two reports that nobody in the country is going to read fully because their minds have already been made up. One was the – it's dropped today – was the Democrat impeachment report, which basically says Trump committed impeachable offenses, get him out of office. But yesterday, preempting this – anticipated report by the Democrats, the Republicans pre-buttled <laughs> this report with their a report of their own, basically <laughs> saying that everything Trump said about Biden and his interest in Biden, uh, Biden's son and his activities with Burisma were justified and that looking into Ukraine was justified. So everybody just formalizing the position, the two narratives on the left and the right put into a formal documented script. Maybe it's like a screenplay. We could all get a copy of it and we could read it. Really interesting story to me for a couple of reasons because it is another example of 
what's really been an obvious theme now. I mean, we've known this for a while, but it's gotten more and more obvious. It's the theme of the news is simply being the pot calling the kettle black on each side. You're stupid. No, you're stupid. No, you're stupid. <laughs> That's no, what I think. You're stupid. This IG report is going to do that. They're they're preempting that too, and. Barr is saying he doesn't think it's going to be – he doesn't agree with the findings and Trump is very disappointed and it's supposedly going to say that there was justification for an investigation into Russian collusion. But I, th- I have a feeling that the IG report is just going to add to the confusion. It's not going to have any credibility. It won't be replete with evidence. Yeah, there will be no credibility and that's something else I was thinking about with this story that's really interesting to me, just the use – of language, just calling it a report, a report, because we trust a report. How do you know it's true? Well, it's in the report. It's got to be true. It's in the report. Just the we, it brings authenticity simply by labeling it as that. When in reality, it could be scribbled by a three-year-old baby, labeled a report, and we like Comey covered in his own tears with a crayon in his car. Right, exactly. <laughs> no, that was just, the basis of the Mueller report. Was three hundred two reports. Three hundred two reports. in his car memorializing what he remembered about his really fantasy-type interactions with Trump. You know what this is, what's going on in the news, this whole theme of uh, quid pro quo Trump, quid pro quo Biden, Russian interference Trump, Ukraine interference Biden, our report, your report, this I'm calling you what you're calling me. This is Fun World. I think you'll appreciate. Oh, my gosh. I love Fun World. Is that really what is this? I don't get it. Was that really the underlying world is a television pilot that is about a dystopian future where everybody's mind is liquefied by screens, by television screens that they watch endless cartoons where the cartoon characters (laughs) all day long say, you're stupid. No, you're stupid. No, you're stupid. No, you're stupid. And the people, their brains melt, and they never leave their couches. That's really funny. That's what's going on. If there's only going to be one show, that's the show I want to watch. It's simple. Me too. I'd love for that to be a real show because I was in the pilot, so it would be fantastic. It was a great, great pilot. I would love, love, love to have seen that. It was ahead of its time. I, I saw the guy, the director, recently. Way ahead. It is what's going on right now, and there's a, a greater point to that too because what, what this type of narrative and dialogue does is it stupefies us when it gives us these two simplified talking points that are just, you did it. No, you did it. It prevents us from thinking deeper about a third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh possibility, something called functional fixedness. Functional fixedness is a term that refers to the way that we view – the way that we perceive certain items, like if we perceive it the way we first learn of its function. So a hammer to us is a hammer, but by it being labeled a hammer and the function of it to, to our mind is a hammer, we have a hard time generating other possible uses and other possible explanations of how it can be used. So it could be used as a can opener, but that's not something you might regularly think of. The same thing is going on in the news. By giving us these simplified, dumbed-down explanations, you did it, you did it, it prevents us, and making it emotional, it prevents us from going any deeper as a country and thinking about, wait a minute, maybe neither one of them is telling the truth. Also, it it tends to give equal weight to everyone's opinion, yes. as, if, as if opinion is of value regardless, but – there is nothing to investigate with Trump. You you just read the either you uh, you think he did the 
Whatever you think happened on that call, it's pretty straightforward. There's no further information. With Biden, it looks to me like an international corruption ring that involves yeah. oligarchs, energy, finance, the IMF, Kerry, Biden, China. I mean, the, the people who have gone to jail for similar kinds of fraud are, or at least convicted of it, are involved in this kind of stuff. It requires an investigation. There are dueling investigations in Ukraine, one by a U.S. federal and Soros joint venture uh, against corruption and one by Ukraine against corruption. I mean, there are real questions. And Ukraine has complained that our circus is interfering with their investigations into corruption over there. Yeah. CNN's article about the Republican report talked about that. And the whole article, the point of the article was to basically say this report, this obnoxious report, how dare they? They claim that all of the Biden stuff was legitimate and should be investigated. That's just nonsense, and you're crazy if you think that, and it just talks about how it's an insane theory the whole time while never supplying any evidence of anything that's debunked. In fact, it quotes the Republican uh, report twice, and the things it quoted were both true. So it right. yeah, like, the whole time. Like that clip that you played for us where the reporter shows up at the CFR and says they said it was debunked, but it wasn't debunked. Isn't that fake news? Yeah, exactly. Right. That was an episode, I think, 186, which people are going crazy for, Binkley. They love that. They loved what you pulled for that. So I encourage people, if you haven't gotten to it yet, to do so. But uh, and and this is the thing. It was like Pizzagate. They did the same thing. They were like, we don't want to investigate this because it's preposterous. But that's when you do want that. You want your day in court. And I actually don't know about Pizzagate, but I but they the way it was handled kept it going and made it worse and made it totally unresolved, which is what this is doing. So it's keeping it alive as a political smoke and mirrors act without ever getting to the real corruption. And there is real corruption here. I don't know who's in charge of it, but Kolomoisky is being sued in civil court here. And who knows what other problems he's had? He's been in exile. I mean, it's not cool. Yeah. And it could very well be mainly to exonerate Biden to free him, as we've talked about before, from any more scrutiny. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of reasons going on here. They're masters at this nonsense. It could also be I think we've mentioned this briefly before, but Biden has been positioned in the public mind as the new arch enemy of Trump, the Hillary. So the one he's fighting against. So all this stuff in the media has created a rivalry between them, which could very well mean that they're leading it up to Biden being the world's worst but, presidential nominee. But part of the image for Biden is that he's a dope. So how does that fold in? They're going to lose on purpose? I think everybody on at the top oh, Trump being in. Maybe that you're picking on this old man the way you're looming over that female. Yeah, and with if Stacey Abrams were to be his number 2, then it's not her fault that she lost whereas Oh, well that's that's definitely I think there's no question that that's what we're being teed up for. Yeah. But unless you think that I believe the Democrats are solely responsible for. Well, that that what I'm talking about with Ukraine, is that a straight up corruption? I don't know if there's corruption at work here with the trade game, but I do believe that there's some there's there's stuff going on behind the scenes with the trade war, whatever you want to call it. One is that, first of all, the stock market was affected today 
in a negative way because Trump said, ah, I think I might wait on the China trade deal until after the election. And people went nuts, whatever. I actually wonder if that he's really waiting for after the USMCA, the North American trade deal, to use as a template because that borrows heavily from the Trans-Pacific Partnership, which people objected to and Trump scrapped, borrows heavily. So if he gets this thing passed just in North America, I mean, the next step is to push that west to China. So it's quite possible they will use this as the template for a China deal, which will mean that his all his China stuff was really another type of smoke and mirrors. And uh, and the USMCA thing is continuing. I mean, they're horse trading that thing. This is policy getting done. It's not getting the kind of press that this dueling reports are, but the, but the Republicans are going to give in a little bit on in, in intellectual property protection for big pharma. And so they're, they're horse trading now. This thing is going to get done. And there's something else about trade that I find interesting. But if you, if what is it? Yeah. Okay. Great. <laughs> I never know if people care about this stuff. So, so. There was an article today on the cover above the fold of the Wall Street Journal talking about the steel tariffs being finally implemented against Brazil and Argentina. They had a reprieve a year ago, but it, they're back with a vengeance. And a couple of other things were announced at the same time. A, a huge steel deal. Huge. huge. So a big like uh, iron ore pellet producer bought a big steel manufacturer from what I can tell. And that they steal. That, so that was, I think, uh, I forget what it was called. But Cleveland Cliffs bought AK Steel, and AK Steel, the, the price, the selling price, was half of what it what it would have been a year ago. Like the price of steel is plummeting, and I'm like, well, how can that be in the face of tariffs? So I started investigating a little bit. The demand for steel is absolutely plummeting. So their industrial and auto uses for steel are declining. China is kind of keeping it afloat a little bit, but this, I remember reading a book by William Engdahl, who I, I, I love him. I find him really compelling, very logical and educated. And he was saying that like our economic indicators are all baloney, basically, that the most important economic indicator is steel demand. That you just don't have a growing industrial society without demand for steel. And, and it's, I think all this steel tariffs and stuff is just a way to try to keep steel prices up, even though demand is just bottoming out. Now, another thing I noticed when I was investigating and I was trying to find that quote from Engdahl about how important steel demand is, I couldn't find it. It was in a book and I was searching on the internet. Uh, but he he wrote an article and it absolutely like a year or two ago absolutely echoed something that I had been speculating, which is that the reason we want to return our steel capacity is for military purposes. And he wrote he's very thorough. So he wrote he examined the military procurement report and there were like 300 identified gaps in our ability to build up our own military and that's why you kind of need to restore. It's really what I was thinking. I'm not saying it's true for sure, but it's quite validating to have somebody like Engel, I think, uh, think of actually come up with research that supports that this is a real need we have, our military has, of being able to manufacture and fill their supply gaps from within. So that indicates that they're, I mean, that's, if you if you don't expect any wars or anything, you don't care that your sourcing is global, but a military really needs to have 
sourcing domestic or on the scene of where you need it. But what was buried in that article about Brazil is that they are going to that Trump is threatening 100 percent tariffs on two point four billion dollars worth of French stuff, French stuff that I happen to be pretty darn partial to, such as wine, champagne, cheese, handbags. Don't mess with the wine and cheese and handbags. <laughs> I'm not a big handbag person consumer, but I am a big wine and cheese consumer. Champagne, to be specific. So, and champagne all comes from France. I was very upset. And they're doing that to retaliate against France for having a digital services tax, which isn't even a tariff. It applies across the board. But it disproportionately affects, it discriminates against, that's what it said, it discriminates against that oppressed minority, Google, Facebook, and somebody else. And, and it, what it is, is it's a 3% tax on French revenue for company, roughly for companies, billion dollar global companies, any billion dollar global companies. to those companies. So I have to pay double for my champagne, which is practically a necessity, especially at this time of year. So that Google doesn't have to pay tax in France. And I think that's fair. I pray for Google to have to pay less taxes <laughs> every single night. In France. In but France, only in France. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's really not fair. This is enough to make, like, uh, my daughter's learning about socialism in school. And it's enough to be like, you know, socialism, fascism, they just mess with supply and demand. Like, you can't have it. You just can't yeah. have that. Oh, what you said about the steel, that raises the question, what will be done or is being done to create that demand out of out of nowhere? Not out of nowhere, but if the demand's gone down, they're going to have to do something to stimulate it. So what will they do? Some sort of false flag or some sort of economic thing? That's something to look out for. Yeah, that's true. What One thing they'll do is increase military. They can actually just increase military spending. And given yeah. that Trump is the one who got rid of the sequester that the Republicans hard won against the Democrats, just blows my mind. No one ever talks about that. I had to look it up like four times because I was like, that can't be true. Nobody talks about it. They would do that. You know what else they can do is like – um, get, encourage, well, lowering interest rates will always help like auto sales, maybe, uh, maybe federal school loans for kids to include cars. You know, I don't know, although they seem to be moving away from that for this Uber thing. I don't, you know, to get driverless Ubers and stuff, but that could be a longer term thing. But that's a good point. They're going to do stuff. I would say, I would su- suspect. You know, this interest rate thing is really worrying me that interest rates are so low. We're so far into an expansion and they will lower interest rates to kind of ease the fall in a highly controlled economy like this. And and the steel demand in decline is a terrible indicator for the end of an expansion. It, it seems to me, I mean, I'm not an expert, but I do try to just understand the the clear, you know, the easy to connect pieces. Yeah. So there's been a story about Kellyanne Conway that's kind of – not a story, but there's been a theme running for a while that I've found very interesting that popped up again yesterday. It's been popping up more and more, which I've expected it to do this because it's just bizarre. Her husband, George Conway, who is a lawyer that Trump actually was considering appointing to the Solicitor General back in 2017 – he is one of Trump's most outspoken and ridiculous 
haters on social media and in the media. It doesn't always get a lot of attention, but he very much is. He takes any opportunity he can to give like a Keith Oberman-like absurd insult of Trump, and it gets him a little bit of attention. But nobody ever is like, that's kind of weird that the husband of the woman whose job it is is to go out and defend Trump from attacks <laughs> on a daily basis and get attacked herself, get smeared herself, have horrible things said about her. All these people are shouting horrible things about Kellyanne Conway. Her husband's not standing next to her. He's going, yeah, bitch. Yeah, He's exactly. on the other side of it. That's a weird thing. So and I think you might, maybe he is the anonymous guy. Well, he's not inside the White House. Yeah, the anonymous right. person's inside the White House. That's why I suspected that perhaps Kellyanne Conway is. I, I don't know, but something's happening here. There was another story about this yesterday or late last night, and this is the first time where he has crossed the line and directly mentioned her. Usually it's just a general attack of Trump and his administration, clearly inferring his wife at times. But this time – all right, here's what happened. Kellyanne Conway yesterday, she tweeted out. Sloppy Joe is Creepy Joe. Then she asked in the tweet, we need Ukraine's help to defeat this guy? Valid point. Then George Conway, <laughs> shortly thereafter, maybe they're sitting next to each other in bed with their laptops. I don't know. George Conway later retweets or shares her tweet, and he replies to her tweet on his feed by saying, your boss apparently thought so. And he had shared her tweet. So it was a direct response to her. Is a direct, uh, he combated her directly. It wasn't an over the top insult, but it was directed at his wife. This is conflict between an administrator of the Trump office and her husband out in the public. Where is this going? That's really crazy, especially since Trump is, has this image of being a hothead. His tagline, like Bart has Icaron, but he has you're fired. That's his yeah. tagline. And this guy wants to to create a cause for a that's like cause. I mean, that really could be cause for dismissal. Yeah, it's because just so because bizarre. she has confidential information, which she is obliged, kind of by law or morality or whatever, you're not supposed to keep secrets from your spouse, you know. So he clearly is oppositional, like the way Lisa Page is, and yet they still. They that that's they're going to let that slide. Kellyanne Conway seems to me is Trump's absolute handler. She's also out in the world, which is kind of I don't know. Mm -hmm. Maybe there there's something else going on there. I thought Bannon was. But Bannon and Kellyanne Conway were the work for the same guy, Mercer, I think. Yeah. So who knows where that's going? I don't know what George Conway's background is, but it totally it feels Harvard like a Yale guy. So I know George Conway went to Harvard and Yale, yeah. Harvard undergrad, Yale Law School. Because mm -hmm. Yale Law School is the is the that's shizzle. the one. Yale yeah, Law School like, is, the, is the deep state itself. The deep state of law schools, yeah. Yes. It would be like kind of if your husband was the most outspoken critic of the propaganda report online. <laughs> that would seem to be a conflict <laughs> it would be of interest. More to the point, if the propaganda report were an outspoken critic of his yes. boss, yes. like that would just be stupid. I couldn't. I would. I just out of. Out of common courtesy, I would never do that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, who would do that? Like, the guy's writing your check. Like, why would you do that? It's clearly, they clearly have some sort of strategy going on. I'm interested to see what unfolds. You had something about China and Denver that I was curious about. Oh, it's kind of long. So I'm thinking maybe we should do it tomorrow. It. Yes, but you know what? Do it tomorrow. 
that reminds me of uh, that it is Share the Show Tuesday. Share the Show Tuesday. Share the Show Tuesday. And what I want to do, it's very important to share the show and get some momentum because we talked about it, and correct me if I'm wrong, but if we get hit a certain critical mass on this show, we are considering introducing premium content for Patreon. But we need to hit critical mass. So if you share the show, the sooner we get to critical mass, the sooner we can uh, offer like extra stuff. Wouldn't take anything away from anyone, but we could go 45 minutes and maybe give a little extra. Absolutely. Stuff. What do you think? Is that crazy? Am I jumping the gun? I think it's a great idea, and we are. <laughs> but that's working why towards- it's really important to get listenership up so that we can qualify for those plans that allow us to kind of. Exactly. You know, just easily feed that stuff through and tears and all that. But thank you very much for everyone who does contribute. But today, I'd love you to share the show on social media. And also, that person at Thanksgiving, you said you would love to listen to the Drive Time News Blast. Send them the email. Send them the Drive Time News Blast right now. Don't yeah, forget. Crazy uncles probably love us. So Crazy uncles do love us. That's true. That's what I am. I'm a crazy aunt. <laughs> I wore dinosaurs never existed was the t-shirt I wore. Oh my god. I just wanted to stir up the pot. Of course, of course, a provocateur in your own home. <laughs> I know. Just you like can, George Conway. There you go. There you go. You can find your drive time news blast every weekday afternoon at 4 p.m. on the com or your favorite podcasting platform with the Propaganda Report podcast feed. We will talk to y'all tomorrow. Enjoy this wonderful music from JJ Boogie.